Inside Books with Breda Brown. Welcome to Inside Books, a programme about the magical world of writing. I'm Breda Brown and I'm an avid book lover. I really love listening to authors tell their story. So, in each episode of Inside Books, we chat to a well-known author and we also update you on other news from the books world. You'll find Inside Books on SoundCloud and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, ensuring you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Inside Books IRE, where you'll also find news about some great great book events happening around the country. Later in the programme, we'll be talking to Maria Dickinson, the managing director of the Dubray bookshop chain, about the book-selling business. But first, Mary Kenny is an Irish author, a broadcaster, a playwright and a journalist. During her lengthy writing career, she has written for over 25 newspapers and magazines in London and Dublin and also written a wide range of books, mostly non-fiction. Well known as a founding member of the Irish women's liberation movement in the 1970s, her latest book is on that very topic. Feminism. Mary, the name of the book, Am I a Feminist? Are You? It's a great title. Where did it come from? Well, I suppose um, I feel uh, that there's a certain amount of ambiguity around the whole term of feminism and people claim to be feminists. And maybe they haven't quite examined what they mean. I suppose it was really seeing uh, a model. I think it was on the Dior catwalk. It was certainly a a Paris catwalk. And she was wearing a T-shirt saying uh, feminist on the T-shirt. And it was $500. And I heard from a fashion friend that it was probably cost about 20 cent to make in Bangladesh, you know. And I thought there's some incongruity there, isn't there? That feminism is kind of here it's being branded as a sort of fashion brand. And yet the the poor woman or the child perhaps making it is, isn't in the picture at all. So I, I thought uh, we, we should examine what we mean when we say I am a feminist. Do you think we've lost sight of what the definition of that word is? Well, to be fair, it's always a fairly broad definition. Uh, And um, there have been and there are many different forms of feminism. I mean, you've got you've got Marxist feminism on the left, if you like, and you've got libertarian feminism on the right. um, And you've got every shade in between. You've got Christian feminists, you know, and you've got atheist feminists, if you like. Um, So I I think that's that's the interesting aspect of this this woman's movement is that it it can be very wide and very flexible. Um, But of course, I suppose there are certain common themes which which uh, go through it. And you mentioned in the book about being a pick and mix feminist as such, so that probably leads into that really. Well, I've noticed that with people sometimes coming up with an unexpected reflection, women whom I wouldn't have identified particularly as feminists and they suddenly come out and say, you know, I was being paid 30% less than my colleague who was doing the same job. I was absolutely furious when I found out. So there is a kind of feminist issue for most women and most people. Um, But Still, there are some women who say they're not feminists and indeed that they don't identify with feminists. I mean, I've got a very good dear friend called Marjorie Wallace. She heads up a a big charity in London called SANE, which looks after mental health issues. And she emphatically says, I'm not a feminist. And she, there's a little vignette about Marjorie in the book where she says when she was first hired by the BBC, this is back maybe in the early 70s, and she was asked, 
to show her legs to the producer who was doing the hiring. And she said, I was delighted to show my legs. I've got terrific legs. I I have no problem with that at all. Uh, So, you know, that would be a reflex that some women would have. And let them. The format of the book is quite interesting. It's an A to Z of of a wide range of topics from beauty to contraception, divorce, family family values and the chapters are quite short. So did you purposely decide on that format? Well, I I felt that um, you know, there were all these different subjects. Well, th- in fact, some of them are very short, just vignettes, and others are a bit longer because they're more like uh, essays, really. Um, and because this, the whole subject matter is so diverse, I felt this was a coordinated way of, um, of, of, of looking at it, and sometimes an unexpected way as well, because I've included a, a section about jokes, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also included um, a, a poem from from Kipling, uh, this his famous poem, "The Female of the Species," um, uh, and so there's a sort of, because it's very very diverse. Um, I thought that the A to Z format would work, and topics you wouldn't expect, like maybe equal toilets or man spreading you talk about as well that's one of the things that's come up in the last <laughs> year indeed yes yes when men take up too much space on the on on, on public transport i think it's a bit petty myself but um that's uh, uh, you know that, that's also it shows you in a way how feminism has almost colonized every subject mm-hmm. and do you think we've gone nearly too far that people are afraid uh, in case anything that they do say is not PC enough and they're not seen as feminist enough? Well, I suppose there's always a swing of the pendulum. Um, But I think there isn't quite enough, um, perhaps, uh, serious analysis, really. People say that what they... um, People say, for example, the two aspects of feminism which are important are choice and equality. But choice also is followed by consequences and we sometimes don't examine that aspect nor do we examine what women really do choose for example why do so few women choose to be road diggers why do so few women choose to be taxi drivers why do so few women uh, choose to be train drivers there's no impediment for a lot of these uh, rather sometimes risky and sometimes dirty jobs certainly with uh, road building um, uh, 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 and uh, it would be illegal to not to hire a woman and yet women don't choose to do these jobs and I think that's an interesting uh, area to look at and we perhaps don't look at that enough and, that's, and, and that also affects equality of pay because sometimes jobs that are very risky are um, more highly paid. Far, far more men die at work than women because men tend to take more risky jobs. So I think we're a little bit superficial about about equality. We tend to think, oh, well, it's just about lawyers or broadcasters Mm -hmm. or or, or, people. or or people in in medicine, which is very good to see so many women in medicine. Um, But I I think there is more a complex analysis as well. But I've tried to write it in an accessible way and and in a good humoured way, if I can. And which you have, because as I said, the chapters are quite short. It's quite easy to read and you can sort of dip in and dip out of it. How long did it take you to write? Well, I suppose, Breda, really... um, 
I suppose a year, but these are subjects, these are ideas I've been thinking about for a long time, I suppose, and writing about. And I've drawn very much on early influences, um, like Simone de Beauvoir, who I do think is an extraordinarily important um, philosophical thinker in terms of feminism. And I think that, you know, she is really the, the original canon almost. So I have drawn a lot on that. And I've been very interested to revisit the earlier feminists of the suffragette era, you know, and a little bit before. Uh, and um, I mean, they had a rather different focus from more modern feminists, you know, but they're all part of the tradition. And if we go back then, when did you start writing? Well, I suppose I started writing when I was a teenager um, and I always wanted to be a writer, but um, I wasn't very, I wasn't a very clever child and I never shone at school or anything like that. And I had to earn my own living from about the age of 16. Were Um, you expelled at 16? Yes, I was. What did you do? Well, I think I... I actually think looking back, I probably had ADHD. Right. um, And I was a very disruptive and difficult child. And uh, so I I do perfectly understand why (laughs) you have to remove such children from school. And it, it... in some ways, it was rather good for me because it made me realise that, you know, I'd have to work hard and make something of my life. Um, on the other hand, I, of course, regret not having had the opportunity to go to university. Although in those days, in the 1960s, um, it, university was still rather a privilege rather than a right. And you had to prove that you were clever enough and worthy enough to go to university. So it, that was a change as well. And you do say, though, that feminism was your route to knowledge, probably. Yes, it was a part of a self-education thing, absolutely so. And it made me read books that I perhaps wouldn't have read. And and it led me on to explore fields that I wouldn't have explored. And I'm really grateful, you know, to it for that. And I suppose when I was involved in the Irish Women's Liberation Movement in the 1970s, it made me more politically aware. Well, I suppose I was politically aware because I'd spent two years in France um, and there was a lot going on in France, um, you know, in the late 60s. But uh, I suppose it was made me more aware of specific things where women were really denied um, opportunities and, and entitlements, which they, you know, which they should have had. And you've written for, they say, more than 25 newspapers and magazines over the years. Do you enjoy that form of writing? Well, I'm grateful to be in work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the attitude. I mean, that's the that's the attitude I've got, and I suppose it's the attitude of my generation that we're rather grateful if if people hire us, and um, uh, maybe that's uh, that's a bit of an old fashioned attitude. I don't know. Um, so, you know, I'm glad I've been able to earn my living in, in journalism. But on the other hand, I've been uh, an active journalist at a very lucky time. Mm. And but an interesting time. An interesting time. And, and and when print was really still very, very central and important. And um, the whole television was expanding, radio was expanding. But I think um, 
print is it's much more, going to be much more difficult for younger people now because the whole thing is changing so much. And what is your writing routine like? Do you write every day or how do you do it? Well, I usually, I think the thing about being a journalist in a way is that it trains you to the idea of the deadline and you just know you have a deadline on Monday, you have a deadline on Tuesday, um, you have a deadline on Thursday, you maybe have another deadline at the weekend. So it is very much pitched at deadlines um, and of course, I, I do other work as well and I set up deadlines for myself. I think the important thing is the most important. I'm giving um, uh, um, actually a, a, a sort of um, days, working day um, teaching in January about writing a column. And I think the most important thing thing to have is a notebook and simply to write down as much as you can in a notebook Um, and sometimes uh, ideas come um, best first thing in the morning actually that's that's often a a very good time to write ideas down Um, and there is certainly a a tradition of that that it's called morning pages you know you you wake up and you, you write down and you also have to have time I think and this is important nowadays to read mm-hmm. and to sit down and read and to think um, as well. You need all that time. You can't be, you know, if you're on the go, just looking at screens and, and, and doing things all the time, you don't have that time to process ideas and to think them up in your head. Walking is also always recommended for ideas as well, isn't it? You can you know, work it out. You can work it out. And, um, you know, I sometimes start... Um, a crossword at about 11 o'clock in the morning when I'm having a coffee and I may not finish it at at that time because I don't know all the answers but I notice if I go back to it again at about 7 o'clock in the evening a lot of the answers have have actually popped up and it's interesting that that your brain does sometimes need to process um, uh, answers and ideas and thoughts and reflections and, and I found that out from doing crosswords. And writing a column, it's a hungry beast, especially a weekly column, which you do for the, the Irish Independent, because you have to come up with interesting topics every single week and make sure they're written in an engaging way for, for readers. Yes, and you have to think of the reader first. That's the first thing. And when somebody occasionally stops me in the street and says, you know, I really love what you write, that is the most rewarding thing of all that you feel you've communicated with a reader and um, so yes you have to keep notes and you have to keep reading and you have to keep doing things and it's, just, it, it, it's an interesting thing about a column because it has to be different and yet in a way it has to have continuity as well because the reader gets used to the personality of the writer and wants to be tuned in to the personality if they if they continue to read you but it's so important to, to keep reading yourself and to keep developing developing new ideas and perhaps looking at things in, in a different way and to travel, I think, as well, probably. And do you have free reign for the topics for the columns? Um, I've only ever been stopped from writing one column in the Irish Independent and the editor made a wise decision because it wasn't suitable uh, if for, uh, uh, it wasn't the right column for um, a magazine. So 
I, I think, you know, um, you work with an editor and you get a feel for uh, what um, what is right in the context of that publication. Um, and also, you, you, you uh, nowadays, you, you don't want to write what everybody else is writing. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to bring a little bit of uh, diversity and variety um, in, into the magazine or into the newspaper. Um, and also, you know, there are different contexts. I mean, something that's in an actual newspaper uh, needs to be perhaps sharp, sharper and more news orientated, whereas something that's in a magazine, it will have a much longer shelf like life. It can be more reflective, you know, and it, it, it can give the person more time to go back to it. And you do write in a number of different formats, such as those, but also books. You've also written plays and they're all quite different. Do you have a preference? Well, I really am... Um, a, a bit of a, 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 a playwright monkey. That's what I always wanted to do most. Um, and I adore the theatre. But it's very, it's much harder to get a play produced because it's a very collective thing and it takes a lot of money to, to, to get it on and so on. But I continue to attend playwright uh, writing sessions uh, uh, pretty well every week with other dramatist because uh, the format absolutely is absolutely wonderful but I've written other books and they do have the common theme of a form of social history which is what is a a terrific thing to to delve into the way that uh, people thought in the 1920s or the 1930s. And most of your writing has been non-fiction I think you've had is it one fiction book A Mood for Love and other stories so have you any other plans for fiction or is it just something you don't You know I do so admire people who can who can write a good novel. I think it is the greatest challenge of all. But I find it, you know, I think everybody should try just like, you know, in Russia, they say everybody should write poetry, you know. And um, I think everybody, every writer should try to write a novel, but not every writer can write a novel. I do remember there was a wonderful old journalist in Fleet Street called Keith Waterhouse, and he was very, very versatile. He wrote Billy Lyre, the movie as well. And his attitude to being commissioned to do something, he always used to say a journalist should, as a professional writer, they should be able to take on anything they're asked to do. If you're asked to write an opera libretto, (laughs) your answer should be, will next Tuesday do? Right. You know, and I suppose that very much comes up even almost in 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 the sort of story of Shakespeare. You know, where you've got Shakespeare and he's he's jobbing actor and he's running around the country and he's got this new play he thinks will work called Romeo and Edith, and um, you know, and he he, he he's he's trying to meet the deadline. He, he says, I'll, I'll I'll change that to Juliet. You know, yeah. and, and he he is that jobbing writer, although of an absolutely universal genius, but perhaps. You know, that's something to aspire to. And what's next for you at the moment? Well, you know, I would like to do another book about uh, um, women's connection with Irish history and and various women, uh, the key women, um, uh, if you like, telling the story of Irish history through um, through important women through the ages. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's important to settle for a while and to just drift and think and make sure that this is uh, coming your way, that the ideas are there and that you can fulfil it uh, as, as you would as you would wish to.
Brilliant. Well, we look forward to seeing that on the bookshelves. Mary Kenny, thank you for joining us on Inside Books. And don't forget that Am I a Feminist Are You is in all bookshops now. Follow us on Twitter on Inside Books IRE or email us on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie. Maria Dickinson is the Managing Director of Dubray, one of Ireland's leading independent booksellers. Dubray began as a single shop in Bray in County Wicklow in the 1980s and now has eight outlets across the country and it's still a family-owned business. Maria, you joined the company three years ago, but how did you actually get into the book business initially? Well, I've always had a great passion for books. Um, even as a child, I was a great reader. I studied English at university, as many do. And then um, looking around for a job, I lit upon librarianship. Um, so I did a couple of years in Trinity and then a master's at UCD. Um, at that point, I saw a job ad for Eason's that asked for energy, enthusiasm and a love of books. And I thought, that sounds interesting. <laughs> I have all of that. <laughs> um, so, yes, I worked for Eason's for a number of years in a sales role initially and then buying, which was um, fascinating and a great foundation in the trade um, and then moved to Debray three years ago. So. so have you seen much change I suppose in the book industry in Ireland over that period of time? Yes I suppose fair to say there would be I mean there was a huge obviously huge boom um, over the, the Celtic Tiger years and then you know a, a sort of change in the sort of the with e-books coming in, of course, that had great impact on, on the trade initially, but it's really bounced back very differently. I think bounced back for the better in that, you know, e-books are very, you know, it's a definite market, but it's kind of found its niche. And the physical book market, I think, is, I think publishers have invested a lot more in the physical books. So books are more beautiful and the people who are engaged with them are really engaged with them. So and it's a very pro- positive time at the moment. You probably joined Dubray at a good time because it was 2014 and it was the tail end of the recession. That's right. I mean, Dubray is interesting because because the, the type of books that Dubray customers like, they, they enjoy the literary fiction, they enjoy the physical object of a book. So in some ways, Dubray had been less hit by um, the recession and by the book phenomenon than others might have been. But but yes, I mean, the last few years have been positive. So it's a, it's a lovely business to be in right now. And it is an independent bookshop as such. I know you've got eight outlets around the country as such, but it still feels very much like a, a very nice family run type shop. That's right, yeah. And the business was opened in 1973 in Bray. Uh, the first bookshop was called Bray Bookshop by Helen Clear, who was the mother of um, Gemma, the current owner. Um, Gemma and her husband Kevin then um, bought the business, went on to open a Grafton Street store um, and then eventually went to Kilkenny and to um, to Galway. Uh, so, you know, eight stores now and it's all going very well. And that's it. And I suppose... And interestingly, eight stores, as you said, the majority are in Dublin. But how important is location when it comes to opening a bookshop? Is a main street where you need to be or is it okay to be tucked around a corner somewhere? I think location is very important. Um, I mean, vital and all as I regard books to be, they're still a luxury for people. So you need to make sure that you're in the right position and that, you know, you they come across you, if you see what I mean. And for discovering new co- customers, that's a very important part of it. Now, once people know you and you and trust you, they'll go up the stairs and round the corner and all of that kind of thing. But it, it does help, certainly, to have a main street or a shopping centre location if you can. But I assume rent will ultimately... Oh, yes, like, like any other business, the, the, you know, the, the practical elements of it, the rents, the rates and, and so on and so forth. You have to make sure that it's profitable. So, you know, you do have to take that into account very definitely. And is it hard to become a destination bookshop? Um, it's. I think it's... It, it is. I mean, there are, there are two elements. It's easy to build trust if you know what you're doing and you care about what you're doing, more importantly, because readers love engaging with bookshops. They love engaging with booksellers. So once people start to find you and the word of mouth will spread amongst the reading community very quickly. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly 
building your and get a number of shops trying to get a chain together and make sure that everybody is familiar with your name. That's that's it's hard work and you really have to keep at it very definitely. It's something that's And it's trying to keep that familiar feel as well yes. that you know the the staff and the team in the shop mm-hmm. and know who the the customers are and can recommend and I think that relationship is really important. Yeah, I mean that's that's a an interesting thing for us because with eight stores we're large enough but we do have very much a community feel and we work very hard at that the the sales profile of each of the stores is very different and the staff would know their local area and their local customers very well and be very sensitive to that um, and I think to be a successful bookshop you have to have that you can't sort of have a cookie cutter approach it has to be very very much embedded in the local community and how do you decide then what titles to put on the bookshelves because again as you just said the bookshelves the titles you might put on the bookshelf in Rathmines in Dublin could be quite different to what you're putting on the shelves elsewhere. Absolutely. Well, in our bookshops, all of the individual um, shops buy for themselves, um, which is quite unusual. Quite often, you know, once a company gets to about our size, there'd be sort of a head office structure. But but we think it's very important that our local shops buy precisely so they can engage with their customers, so they know a lot about the product, so they can get the right mix. In terms of what we decide, I mean, there are the practical decisions, obviously, you know, with the, the big successful sellers. authors, you know what you're going to sell of it. Um, but where it gets interesting, is where you you know you get an advanced copy of a book you really love it and you can hand sell it and that's the joy of book selling is you can really you know create a bestseller um, and that's something we try very hard to do at Dubray is to pick maybe lesser known authors that you know we want to shout about and, and really try and bring them to the fore so that's certainly one of the joys of it for me anyway and one of the things I've always wondered about is how do you decide then what goes in your window you know you you walk past and you'll you'll see this array of titles or a spread for one title as such so how do you decide that yeah well that would be um we would work quite closely with the publishers. Um, you know, we meet them generally kind of six months in advance of new titles coming out. So we'd have a good sense of the spread. And you'd pick, again, a good mix of the best. So sort of, you know, little curiosities, ones that are interesting. We have our Dubray Recommends, which are eight titles. We pick a month, one, one from each each store. So we would promote those in the window and try and, you know, get, add a, a little something extra to the bookshop experience, something new. I think discoverability is a big thing for bookshops, particularly um, against the internet. You know, you can go to Amazon to buy ex-bestseller but can they recommend it the the precise thing that you're interested in that day you know they might be able to recommend bestseller B but can they recommend you know something specific to your circumstances not so much and you do a lot of author signings in your various bookstores so I mean how important are they well uh, author events are great um, and they're good I think for quite often for bringing people in who don't necessarily go to a bookshop. So it's a great way to expand your customer base and give people a good a good first experience of a bookshop or a occasional experience of a bookshop. I mean, it's great to get the kind of, you know, lump sale that you get from um, And do from you? I mean, signing. will you see an uplift? Oh, absolutely. Very definitely. And both... Um, at the event and afterwards as well you know it builds a nice buzz and people just love to communicate with authors and meet their heroes and, and, and engage with them in that way and most authors are very willing to and very happy to so it's as well as the you know it's it's a, a positive sales driver but it's also a lovely way to build a community and sort of engage with customers and can you pick and choose who you want to do a signing or oh, if only we could <laughs> um, how does it work <laughs> I mean it tends to be when an author has a new book out they'll do the tour and um, you know, we pitch for the the, the events that we want and publishers try to accommodate you as best they can. But and do you pitch against other booksellers yeah, then? Yeah, 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 yeah. And generally the publisher would go for the best fit for the, the type of author. So, um, And the same would go then for international authors that would be coming over from the UK or yes, the US? Yeah, 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 yeah. It would work in the same way. And then when it comes to book reviews as well, you know, if somebody gets a good book review mm. in in a newspaper on a weekend, do you see a spike in sales? We do, actually. We have, I mean, our our customers particularly will be great Irish Times readers and there's a, there's a period on a Saturday morning at about 11 o'clock where they've, you know, they've read really? the paper and they have their coffee. Like, that's something that I 
read about in the paper. Um, so yeah, that would be a big factor for us. And actually, radio is a massive influencer um, in the book business. Very definitely, you see an uplift after a good author interview. There was one. Um, there was a funny one. Was it last year or the year before? Um, year before, I think Tubbity interviewed Fatty Burke about um, oh, yes. Islandopedia. And he said at the end of the interview, run to your local bookshop. And we had in Astrologan Branch a lady who literally did run in the door <laughs> saying, Ryan said I must run and get this. <laughs> the power so. of the media. Exactly. Yeah. And awards then as well. You know, you sort of wonder, do they drive sales or do they not? I think... Well, yes. I mean, the the literary prizes very definitely drive awards. You get a, a quick response to that. Um, the Irish Book Awards has been, I think, a fantastic initiative for the Irish trade, just in terms of raising awareness for the trade in general. It's a great celebration of Irish books and um, reading and writing. And yeah, I mean, we'd get people coming in now asking for the for the new titles, and we certainly, you know, would display the shortlists and the the winners throughout that. So we're looking forward to that in a few weeks' time. And in terms of, I suppose, again, your own brand as well, does the competition mean that you have to focus even more on marketing? Yes, I mean, it is a competitive marketplace and we've worked very hard at Dubai to build the brand over the last few years. Um, you know, just helping people to understand what you're about and what they might benefit from if they come and see you. So um, getting those brand values, getting that kind of visibility and, you know, building the trust with customers, I think, is very important. So, yes. yes and how important definitely. is social media to you? In that yes, very important. We just hired um, for the first time about 18 months ago a content marketing manager to look after that side of things for us. Um, and that's worked very well. Um, and you brought in a loyalty card as well. We did, yes, yes, yeah, which has been um, great. I mean, I think about 25% of our sales come from loyalty customers now. Um, and they're, you know, they're, they engage very well with us as well. You know, we get good feedback from them and it's a, a nice warm relationship. So, And where do you think, I suppose, the publishing industry in Ireland is going? Well, I think we're extraordinarily lucky with our with the um, the publishing industry in Ireland. Um, a, to have so much native publishing um it's so creative. It's such an important part of our business. Um, over the last few years, I think you've seen some very interesting things, both in terms of small new um, publishers coming through. The likes of Tramp Press have been absolutely fantastic. Some interesting things coming through from Stinging Fly and so on. And then, you know, Gill Books have had a you know fantastic few years, really um, changed the way they approach things. And then we have, you know, fantastic publishing from Brian Press, from Mercier and so on. So really, there's a lovely broad range of publishing. And that's before you get into the, you know, the, the UK companies that have Irish wings that I think have brought a great deal of you know energy and a huge contribution to the Irish business. And I'm assuming those relationships are important to you and that you have to keep nurturing them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the book trade is lovely from that perspective and generally the business relationships are very good and even the competitor relationships are very good. You know, I would, I, I would be, you know, regularly in contact with other bookshops and, you know, both to talk about the business and just, you know, to socialise. Um, and certainly my way of doing business with, with the publishers would be, you know, every, everybody everybody benefits. So it, it, it makes sense to, to work together in a in a positive way. And in terms of the quality of Irish writing at the moment, what do you think? Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're absolutely blessed. I mean, we've, you know, there are so many big names in, in Irish writing and you know, the likes of Marion Keyes and Rossa Carroll Kelly, who just deliver year on year for us. But there have been so many interesting names coming through, young writers or, you know, new writers on the scene over the last few years. Like Sally Rooney has been fantastic this year and, um, Elsker Rahals in white, white Ink as well as a exciting debut. So lots that, you know, there's just always something new and something very energetic about the Irish book trade, I think. And I can only assume as a bookseller that you read all the time. Well, I do. I have two small children. So my reading sort of 
veers between the Gruffalo and new releases. <laughs> but um, yeah, I try to read all as much as I can. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. And from your own perspective, do you write at all? I don't. You know, I've never had the slightest bit of interest in writing. Um, really? I'm quite happy writing marketing materials and things for work. But no, I'm quite happy to leave that to the experts. I, I do the reading, not the writing. So not interested in writing, but you do like reading. So what are you reading at the moment? Um, I Well, at the moment, I'm reading the new Philip Pullman, which is every bit as good as you might expect it to be. I was a great fan of the um, the Northern Lights and so on. So that, you know, it's absolutely superb. You, you know, when you've just got a writer that you know, you can absolutely trust. Um, this year, for me, unusually actually, because normally I would read fiction, literary fiction. Um, I've enjoyed a lot of non-fiction. Um, my books of the year this year would be um, Maggie O'Farrell's I Am, I Am, I Am, which is just breathtaking, absolutely stunning writing. And um, talking about incredibly 17 near-death experiences she's had in her life. Mm. It sounds rather unlikely, but it's an amazing read and makes you grateful for every breath you take. And then um, Ruth Fitzmaurice, I Found My Tribe, um, mm. which I read. I was very lucky to get an early proof coffee of and read literally in a day, which for a working mom is not something that you do easily. Um, you know, she's an incredible woman and um, really inspiring and a fantastic writer. So I couldn't recommend those two highly enough. Great. Well, Maria Dickinson from Debray, thank you very much for that insight into the uh, world of selling books. Thank you for joining us on Inside Books. Great. Thank you very much. The next episode of Inside Books will be out soon. Just keep an eye on our Twitter feed for details. The handle is at Inside Books IRE. And if you want to hear other episodes of Inside Books, search for us on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to get in touch, email us on insidebooks at uniquemedia.ie. I'm Breda Brown. Until next Next time, keep reading. Inside Books is a unique media production.